Welcome to Didache, where we are studying to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth so we can worship God in spirit and truth, deepening our knowledge of God, thereby enabling us to deepen our love for God. Here is your host, Justin Peters. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Justin Peters. I hope that you and your family are doing well today. I want to thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing James Coates. James is the pastor of Grace Life Church in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And many of you who are familiar with my channel, you've probably already seen the interview that I did with James a number of months ago last year. But uh, one year ago today, James was sitting in a prison cell. He had been arrested simply because he kept his church open in defiance of what the Canadian government was telling churches to do at the time, and that was to shut down because of COVID. And uh, his arrest and incarceration made a lot of news, rightly so, and it uh, created a lot of discussion dealing with Romans 13. And so I've already interviewed him, but it's been quite a while, and I wanted to give you an update on James and his family, how they're doing, how the church is doing uh, since his arrest, and uh, and also talk about a brand new book that he and Dr. Nathan Busnitz have written entitled God versus Government. So we're going to cover a lot of ground in this relatively short interview, but I also want to let you know that for reasons that are a complete mystery to me, uh, my Zoom program is not working right. Uh, anytime I interview someone on this channel, I always use Zoom, and I record it, obviously. have never had any trouble with it, but now all of a sudden Zoom has decided to record my guests, but not me. Uh, it does record my audio, but not my video. So you'll, you'll see James Coates, you'll hear James Coates, you will hear me, but you will not see me. So... I have no idea why. Uh, I'm at a loss, but anyway, if any of you tech folks out there know what the problem might be, uh, drop it in the, uh, say something in the comments and I'll try to look for it. So anyway, so I do apologize for that, but it shouldn't be too much of a distraction. And I'm more interested in you seeing James than me anyway. So, all right. Well, thank you very much, dear ones. Let's go to the interview. James, brother, it is good to have you again on the program. I think it's been uh, six or seven months or so. It's been a little while. So uh, really um, grateful to have you back on and give us an update of all that has transpired since we last talked. So um, first, just give us an update on on how you're doing. Yeah, overall, I'm doing pretty well. I think both Aaron and I have realized the last year or so has caught up to us a little bit. So as far as our energy level and and the need for a bit of a pit stop, that's dawned on us. And so we were taking some steps to be able to charge our batteries a little bit before we head into the next leg of the race uh, to uh, summertime when we would normally take a, a longer, fuller uh, stop. But we're doing well. Family's doing well. Uh, things are vastly different than they were a year ago, a year ago, this time I was in prison. So, yeah. um, so things are vastly different than they were a year ago. And, uh, and so we're, we're hanging in there doing well, keeping our hand to the plow and, and doing the work of the ministry. Good, good brother. Well, it's so glad, um, just so grateful for you and, and the witness and, um, all of us grieve over 
all of the trials that you've been through, but uh, Romans eight twenty eight, God is using these things in his providence to further his kingdom and to sanctify you and, and all of us. Um, so how about the church? How, how is, um, you're the pastor of Grace Life Edmonton. Um, how has the church been doing since, since your incarceration and release and that dynamic? We're doing well. Uh, we're adjusting. We, we've had the last three Sundays, we've had uh, over 900 in attendance. And that would get us nearer to the tripling in size. We're doing two services at this point in time. We were about 350 on average pre-COVID. Uh-huh. And now we're, you know, we're seeing our, our numbers continually climb. People are coming because they're hungry for the word of God. Yes. They're hungry for the gospel. And so we're seeing that take place. And now as a church, as far as the leadership and the infrastructure we have in place for Bible studies and all of the various ministries that, that we execute for the building up of the body of Christ, we're, in, we're adjusting and yeah. trying to accommodate this numerical growth that's taken place. You know, we've essentially outgrown our facility. Yeah. So we, we really do need a new facility. A lot of folks would say, well, why don't you plant a church? Well, the challenge is that when you plant a church, you got to send out a portion of your leadership. And, right. and so you send out a portion of your leadership and, and a group goes out and now you're, you're depleted at your leadership level. And what will likely happen if the trend carries on is that the folks that left will be replaced by others. So now you'd be in the same place with the same size church, but like potentially half the size of the leadership. And so right. uh, planning a church requires that you get your leadership to the place where you can actually send guys out without it harming the group that remains. And so we're just not there yet. We're still in the process of, of, of building out the number that we need. We're about six, well, six right now, as far as our leadership is concerned. And we're looking at doing an internal hire so we'll take one of our non-staff elders and, and potentially make that guy a staff elder. And okay. we're also looking at trying to bring in a guy from the outside who can come in and, and take up the baton of the counseling ministry because we did end up sending one of our elders to uh, another church, a sister church, a couple of hours away because that pastor experienced very similar uh, things that we had as far as their, their body growing through COVID-19, but he was yeah. solo no plurality oh, and okay. he needed help. So, yeah. so we yeah. sent out one of our guys to go along and help him. And, uh, and so, yeah, we're just trying to navigate the, the challenges of, of having, having nearly tripled in size now. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have, but uh, that kind of growth, that, that amount of growth in that short a period of time, that's bound to cause some, uh, growing pains, I guess, to use that phrase. You know, in my experience in ministry so far, we were continually behind the the curve as our church was growing from when I first came until uh, pre-COVID-19. Then we got to a place where things were fairly stable. Our numbers weren't really growing significantly, and and our leadership was now at that critical mass where we were we were building guys uh, from the congregation into the leadership. And so we had gotten to a number of seven with about 350 uh, in terms of our congregation, two staff guys, uh, an admin guy. Um, uh-huh. And and then COVID-19 happened and we're back to behind the curve again. So my, uh-huh. my experience in ministry has been that we've been behind the curve consistently. We had a little window where things seemed just right. And the yeah. Lord decided to do 
you know, something that none of us could have planned for. And, and that's kind of why I'm not a visionary. I don't, I don't have like a vision for, you know, five year, 10 year plan. Cause I don't know what the Lord's going to do. We're just trying to be faithful week in and week out, preach the word and, and seek to present every man, woman, and child complete in Christ. So you mean, you mean all this growth happened without you casting a vision uh, beforehand, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do any vision casting for all this. There was zero vision casting. We've I've done Man. zero vision casting in ministry thus far. I just I just you know I'm in a book of the Bible and I, I preach verse by verse that book of the Bible and the Lord just blesses out of the the preaching of the word. Imagine that. <laughs> you know it's it's been interesting, James. Since um, so COVID happened, uh, it kind of burst on the scenes almost two years ago. Right about now, really got everybody's attention. And then um, everything shut down. So for several months in 2020, I didn't travel anywhere. All my preaching engagements were were, um, either canceled or postponed. But then in July of 2020, I started traveling again. And um, I mentioned this on a previous video recently, but every single church I've been to since July of 2020 up until now that has had me in to preach, every single one of them has grown. Hmm. And it has been a fascinating observation uh, when so many churches shut down. And, uh, and quite honestly, a lot of these churches that shut down, it's a blessing because they're not, they weren't real churches. But what you have is when all these churches shut down, the only ones that were still open were the ones that were doctrinally sound that took or take rather Hebrews 10, 25 seriously. And so, given that God has his sheep all over the place, when these churches shut down, well, the sheep are looking around for a place to be fed. And lo and behold, the only churches that are open are the doctrinally sound churches and they've grown. Yeah. Literally every single church I've been to. That's not to say that maybe someone, some church somewhere that's a good church hasn't grown. So I don't want to imply that, but it's definitely, it's been an interesting observation and, has certainly been true with with you up in Edmonton. Well, yeah, and that shows too. People are hungry for the truth. Like I know a lot of the folks that are attending Grace Life now, because their churches were closed, it gave them an opportunity to listen to live streams of other churches, yeah. and and they began to listen to our live stream, and they were going, okay, this is different than what I'm typically used to. Like the depth of the preaching coming from the Grace Life pulpit, not consistent with what I'm seeing in my own church, and so that's where that develops. And then people who end up coming to grace life, they could have been watching us online for six months, a year, whatever it is. Finally, they've decided to make grace life home because they can't get away from the preaching of God's word. That's coming from our pulpit. So amen. people are hungry for the word of God. That's a good thing. I mean, that that's, that's the stuff of revival. And uh, I think in some ways there maybe is a bit of revival happening right now. A lot of the churches in Canada, for example, that would have the same testimony. They've grown as a result of COVID-19, they're seeing more people get saved in this time than they've ever witnessed in their ministry. Mm. And, and that's nothing um, to like, that doesn't even mention the spiritual growth that's taking place as a result of everything that's happening. So the Lord is definitely working and, and it's amazing that he's doing it when he does, which is somewhat predictable because we know from acts, for example, he used persecution to, to increase the, the spread of the gospel. And, so we right. see that principle throughout even church history where persecution results in the word of God going forth with greater power. And, and that's what we're seeing now. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. 
Yeah, absolutely. God grows his church. And, uh, uh, and you know, you mentioned people who want to be fed and want to hear good preaching. And, and even if they have come from a, a church background that doesn't have expository preaching, but they find you during COVID. And once they hear it, once they hear what true exposition is, real preaching is, then then they latch on to that. And, and once you get a taste of that, if, if you're truly a Christian, you can never go back to the three points in a poem kind of preaching, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's wonderful, brother. That's wonderful. Good update. So um, give us another update this time on your, on the legal machinations and all of that that's going on. A lot of people might think that you're kind of, you're out of the woods because you're out of prison, but uh, unfortunately some of that stuff is still yet to be, ironed out and played out. So where, do, where does all of that stand, James? Well, yeah, to say at the outset, the consequences for anything are, are fundamentally minor at this point in time in comparison to imprisonment. I mean, yeah. at this point in time, we're looking at the possibility of fines. Okay. And even if that ends up being in the tens of thousands of dollars, uh, that's fundamentally minor in light of what we've experienced. So uh, there are two legal pieces that remain. One relates to me personally. The other relates to the church as a corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the one that relates to me personally has been waiting for a decision to come down on a case that just wrapped up at the end of February. It's in a higher court and it's basically dealing with the same issue. So once that decision comes in, then my my phase two of my personal difficulties are or my personal uh, issues with the, with the courts will take place and whatever the decision is on the higher court is going to shape that decision. So, um, and, and we really in Canada haven't gotten much in the way of positive development uh, and, and contribution from our court system, you know, in contrast to the U S we had, for example, Jacob Reum and he has Trinity Bible chapel. They just got their, constitutional challenge decision from uh, their judge this week. And I would encourage folks to go to his blog on his church's website and, and see him analyze the significance of that decision. Okay. Even showing how the judge, though he didn't rule in our favor because he deemed the infringement on the, the civil liberties of a uh, Trinity Bible chapel um, to be, to be warranted in light of the, the, the virus and the pandemic and everything else, he, he nevertheless recognized that their rights were infringed upon. And so he had, he was actually more theologically astute than many pastors have been in this time. And so really a thoughtful, lucid um, analysis of that decision. So we haven't really had anything positive come from our court system here in Canada. That's a little bit positive because it recognizes that, our our charter rights were being infringed upon with some of the restrictions being placed on gatherings. That's a positive thing. But in the end, because of section one of our charter, so long as it's justifiable, proven to be justifiable and he deemed it was, then, then there's a limitation that's, that's, that basically is placed on all of our charter rights, uh, assuming the right circumstances are in place to limit them. So anyway, we haven't gotten anything positive, so we're not holding our breath in this case either. And, yeah. and so that's that as far as the, the court summons for the church, 
I, I forget when that's going to take place. I think too, it's waiting for the, the case that, that had to happen before my personal phase two would take place as well. So that decision will be shaped by that also, I think. And, uh, you know, we, we could plead guilty and then have a lower fine, Yeah. but we're, we're not planning to plead guilty at all. Yeah. Even if it results in more money. So, um, so we don't plan to plead guilty and, and so that stuff. Yeah. I don't really think about all that. Like I don't really pay much attention to it. Um, it's not, it's not something that's on my mind, nothing that I worry about, nothing that I'm concerned about. Um, it's really just kind of a formality now in the court system. Obviously it has the possibility of establishing precedent going forward and, and bad precedent for the church is not going to be good in light of the difficulties that we anticipate are on the horizon, yeah. but uh, it yeah. is what it is. And the Lord knows. Right. Right. Okay. Well, I imagine whatever those uh, fines turn out to be, if there are any indeed, but, but if there are, I think there will be a, an outpouring of support for you guys. And um, so appreciate well, that. Uh, yeah. So when do you expect to, to hear definitively or you don't yet know? It's hard to know because when it comes time to making their decisions, they can take quite a while. So it, it could be any day. I think uh, they, they may have given like a, a an approximation date, but uh, it can take them time to, to draft these, these decisions. So it could be, I would say probably any time, but, but that could, it could take a month. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. And um, unfortunately, you were you were scheduled to speak at the uh, Shepherds Conference, which, as of this recording, is coming up next week. Uh, but you're not going to be able to to join us there, are you? No, I um, I'm not going to be able to be there. We thought we had an avenue into the country that was going to going to be successful to get me down to the conference, but I was denied at the border back in January. Uh, as I tried to get to Tom Askell's conference, the Founders Ministries conference, yeah. and and that that denial at the border impacted this trip in the end, and yeah. so I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be taking in the conference through live stream. Okay, are you are you still gonna preach through the live stream? Did did y'all get that worked out? No, I'm not. Actually, John MacArthur is gonna do a Q and A in lieu of my session. Oh at that time, but I will be live streaming in for a breakout session with Nathan Busnitz is connected to the book that just came out on Tuesday, God versus government. So yeah. I will do that. And okay. that'll be the extent of my shepherd's conference festivities. All right. Okay. Well, we will miss you, brother. I was really looking forward to seeing you, yeah, in person you. again, but um, God's providence and everything. Uh But you, uh you provided a good segue into my next question. And that is, the book, God versus Government. This is a, a new book that you and Dr. Nathan Busnitz have written together. And it's the two of you, correct? You're the only two authors? That's correct. John MacArthur wrote the forward. You wrote the forward. Too bad you couldn't have gotten somebody better to write the forward for you. <laughs> yeah. And, and the forward is worth the price of admission, right? I mean, I um, yeah. just the forward alone is is really solid. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, I told you the other day on the phone, I've ordered three copies and, uh, but I have not received them yet. And so I I can't really, I don't know. I mean, I can kind of tell from the title and what you've been through with, uh, I'm sure Romans 13 will probably feature pretty prominently in your book, but 
But tell us a little bit more about the book. What is the subject matter and uh, kind of break it down for us a little bit. What can people expect? Well, you can kind of think of the book as being divided into two sections. One is our story and the other is our stand. In our story, Nathan Busnitz tells what happened with Grace Community Church and all of the the run-ins with the governing authorities that they experienced as they kept their church open. So he he starts there and that's how the book begins. Then we shift to my story, the Grace Life story. And that would be, you know, the fullest, clearest, comprehensive description of what took place start to finish in terms of our battle with the governing authorities. And, And I take you in on the inside to the boardroom at times, to my prison cell at times, I really bring the reader into all the ins and outs of what was happening to kind of relive it almost vicariously as I describe all that took place. So even as I wrote that portion of the book, I really, I had to relive everything and you would stop writing at certain points and you'd know where you were. Like I'd I'd stop and I knew the next step was turn myself in. And so as I pull away from the computer I mean, I'm, I'm aware that that's where I am and, and that that's what I've got to relive. And it was a challenge at times to relive some of that, but I think yeah. beneficial and helpful to be able to get it yeah. down on paper in as clear and comprehensive a way as I was able to do for that portion of it. So, so then it's, it's, it's my story and that, that concludes like the first half of the book. And then in the second half, we get into a framework to be able to think about the Christian and the church in relationship to government and how it is that we need to navigate the, the, the issues that may arise with respect to the governing authorities infringing on the headship of Christ over his church when civil disobedience is uh, warranted, even mandated. And, huh. and so we get into that. And then there's a couple of chapters that are connected with that, that are our sermons that Nathan and I have preached that were reworked for the sake of this book, the time has come, is is in there. That was my December twentieth sermon, and then the the directing government to its duty. That's Romans thirteen, and and that that's in there as well. Been reworked and improved for the sake of the book, and uh, and then Nathan's got one on the Psalms. It's in there as well. So okay. really, um, I think a useful resource, uh, something that's going to benefit uh, believers, be edifying, even just to read the stories of each church and what we went through. Oh, yeah. And then the framework, I think we need to really strengthen our understanding of Romans 13 and when it's time to obey God, not men. Yeah, indeed. And that, that's been a big uh, issue, of course, through in the last couple of years. It's, it's forced uh, us to, to really examine Romans 13 in a way that we've not really had to do up until now, at least not in, in modern history. Um, when do we obey God? When do we obey the government? And um, you preached a sermon on Romans 13. I'll put a link down in the description below uh, to that. That was very helpful, help, helpful for me as well. And um, now with that I, one, are you thinking of the one that I preached in January? Um, I don't remember when it was. So I just, it was before your like, arrest. Before okay. Your, yeah. So I preached another one since then and I, oh. I preached it in January and it was one that I was going to be preaching at Founders Ministries and, uh, and that one, I think it's up to 50,000 views on our website. And, wow. uh, and I, in some ways, I almost think that was the best of the three, okay. um, because it, it, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've preached Romans 13 now three times. I don't know if I'll ever preach it again, to be honest, unless I'm preaching through Romans, which I plan <laughs> to do next after John, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've kind of been able to hit it 
from three separate angles. And, uh, and so even the one that I preached in January, I think is, is worth a listen for sure. Oh, great. Okay. I was not aware of that. So I will, I will put the link to that one in the description and I'll listen to it myself. So I'll look forward to that. That's great. So, and you've made the point before that all authority exercised by any institution on earth is delegated authority, right? Because all authority ultimately belongs to Christ. And when any earthly institution exceeds, uh, goes against the authority of Christ or goes against his will, his commands, then they've, they've exceeded their, their parameters. Yeah. Delegated authority implies by implication, limitation on that authority and purpose of that authority. If God delegates something to someone, there are parameters that shape what it is that they're to do with that authority. Right. And, and that's the case with the governing authorities. Right now, governments want to assume a totalitarian authority over everything, whereby it is the top dog. It's the authority above all other authorities over the home, the church, the individual. That's not the way God designed it. And, yeah. and we're in contexts now that have been shaped by a biblical worldview, Canada, the U.S., and there are constitutions in place that reflect that and recognize the supremacy of God. And so we have a responsibility with the revelation of God in Romans 13 to ensure that we are holding government accountable, teaching them what their true role is to to reward good as God defines it and to punish evil as God defines it. And 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 ultimately to to use their authority in a way that's consistent with their role as a, a diakonos of God, a servant of sure. God. Yeah. So if we don't do that, like if we don't inform the government on what it is sh- they should be doing, who's going to do that? We're the stewards of the mysteries of God. And so we yeah. need to instruct the government on that. And it also means that when they're outside of their lane and overreaching in their authority, we've got to oppose and resist them. It's loving to God. It's loving to neighbor. It's loving to our governing authorities, allowing the government to be tyrannical and to just kind of roll over in the face of that tyranny is not loving to them. It's we need to give them a clear indication that they are out of step with the will of God and they're going to be held accountable ultimately before God in the end anyway. So, so we need to make sure that they're aware of that. And, and so, yeah, I think Romans 13, we we've um, we've just needed to think more deeply about that text. And, and this has forced us to do that. And yeah. there are still a lot of folks out there that have a very one dimensional yeah. understanding of Romans 13, mm-hmm. almost emphasizing that chapter to the neglect of all of the, the, the whole counsel of God. Right. And, uh, right. and it's just, it's deficient, incredibly deficient. Yeah, it is indeed. It is indeed. I've, I've seen a lot of comments from people, whether it's in reference to, um, your church or, or any of these other churches that remained open in defiance of the local or state authorities telling them to shut down. And they'll, they always quote Romans 13. What about Romans 13? How, you know, they're disobeying God. They're, they're in direct contradiction of Romans 13 and, and they don't love their neighbors and, you know, da, 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 da. And so uh, we'll probably, I'm sure we'll have some, some of those folks with that mindset watching this interview and uh, if you are one of those, and I would encourage you, please listen to James' sermon on Romans 13 and get his book, um, read it, and in his book and, and Nathan Busen's book, read it and consider the arguments that they make. And uh, I can't wait to get it, brother. 
I mean, I haven't read it, but I, I know where you're going with it, and uh, I can't wait to get it. I think it'll be a, an immensely helpful resource. Yeah, we're excited about it. We really are. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, James. Yeah. Well, brother, how can uh, how can folks be praying for you? How can we support you, or, or do you have any needs? Uh, I know that you've um, your your yours and Tim Stevens. Uh, faithful, faithful witness uh, have encouraged an awful lot of people. And I know a lot of people, their hearts are knit to yours, yours and, uh, and Tim Stevens as well and your respective flock. So if folks want to help, how can they do that? And where can they get the book? Well, just to say, I mean, Tim is going through all the same stuff that we're going yeah. through as far as his church right. blooming and everything else. So yeah, I love that, that brother and, and yeah. grateful for him. Good you know, day. in our case, I'm not sure what to say. We don't have any immediate needs now. I mean, what we may do when we kind of get concepts in place and, and everything else is we may do a, a worldwide building fund drive to, to acquire land and build a building that would be sufficient to be able to house the, the ministry that's taking place at Grace Life Church. I mean, even now, because of the limited classroom space and the number of children, we're turning kids away from Sunday school. So, um, so that's big for us right now. We're, we're trying to get properly staffed. And so that's internal hire, external hire. Uh, we, we, we're starting to think through the need to build a larger facility to be able to do all the things that we're doing. We would love to see the master's seminary come to Grace Life Church and be uh, a distance learning location for the master's seminary. And, and that's, there's some talk about that and we're, we're working through that. That'd be great. So that's, that's, I think, where a lot of it comes down to. I mean, on a personal level, you can certainly be praying that I'd get just a little more wind, a little charge on my battery to get back yeah. into the, the saddle and, and uh, get my way into the summertime for a, a more extended, extended break. But aside from that, I, I don't know that I have a ton of, uh, of prayer requests to bring. Yeah. Okay, James. Well, thank you so much. And your book, that's available, of course, on Amazon. But uh, where else? Is there any other place that people can get it? Yeah, Christian books. I mean, um, I don't know what you guys have there in the U.S. Like we've got Indigo. And so it's available through Indigo. I think basically anywhere you would normally purchase books, it's available. And uh, it's doing well. It's it's number one in a couple of categories. Wow. Uh, one on Canada, Church and State. One in the U.S. on uh, religious intolerance and persecution. So it's already doing pretty well. We want people to to pick it up and and be benefited by it. And uh, just really excited to see how the Lord's going to use it. Yeah. Well, brother, I think this will be a, an immensely helpful resource, especially not not just for COVID, because by God's grace, looks like we may be kind of coming out on the other side of that. But you know, <laughs> with all with all apologies to our post millennial friends, um, things aren't going to get better for the church. I mean, as far as the, the, the climate and the attitude towards the world of the world towards the church, things aren't going to get better. They're not going to get any easier. This is not the last battle that the church is going to face as far as its freedoms. Uh, so I think this will be a very helpful resource from here on out. Yeah. It's almost more relevant today than it was when we wrote it. So I think that's true. Yeah. And, you know, as it relates to, you know, our, our, view of of eschatology i mean though we might be somewhat pessimistic as far as the 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 trajectory of things 
That doesn't yeah. call us to retreat. The, right. As things get dark, that's an opportunity for the light to shine more brightly. Yeah. So, so we intend, even if, if this thing is going to implode, we intend to shine bright for Christ Amen. and be a, a city on a hill and, yeah. and draw his people unto himself through the preaching of the gospel. Amen. Amen. As a, you and I share the same eschatology, uh, and, and as a, a premillennial guy, dispensational, I, I'm pessimistic for, uh, the state of the world, but I'm eternally optimistic about the church. Um, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Christ is the Amen. head of the church. And, uh, so I'm not concerned about his flock, his, his body, um, in the least it, it will do what, what he has, uh, decreed the church to do so amen yes indeed well james please give our warm greetings to aaron and the boys and uh and the folks there at grace life edmonton i also put a link to the to your church not that you need any more growth but if <laughs> if by some chance some folks are watching this in your area uh, i'll put a link to the church where they can find you so thank you very much yeah thank you for having me Appreciate you and all you're doing, your ministry. And and yeah, too bad we can't connect underneath the sunshine, the LA sunshine. Yeah, I know, right? I know. Yeah, it's probably probably would have been a, a nice uh, little respite for you to get out of the great white north for a, a few days. But oh yeah. You know. I, I could use some vitamin D right about now. That's for <laughs> Yeah, I bet so. All right. Well, James, God bless you, brother. Thank you so much. Thanks, Justin. Well, dear ones, I hope that this was encouraging for you. And I thank you so very much for watching all of the pertinent links down below in the description. Until our next time together, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to Didache. We hope that you were encouraged and edified by what you just heard. If you have a question or comment for Justin, interested in more teaching resources or would like to have him come and preach at your church or conference you may contact him at justinpeters.org